I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for Video Games Hot Dog episode, I'm not sure, 269? <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, Jim, has anything happened to you in the last couple of weeks? Um, I ate some soup. <laughs> yeah, was it good? <laughs> it's pretty good. What, what yeah. Was anybody with was you it? when you did it? I, I actually don't think I've had any soup in the past couple of weeks. I was lying oh. completely. Um, I shipped a video game. And people found it. Yay! Yay! Um, spoilers if you didn't know that. Are there any exclusive scoops that you'd like to reveal to listeners of your podcast? Uh, you're not done till you found the Skyrim opinions. Mm. <laughs> okay. Are there things that no one has found? Um, or are there things that no one has reported on? Yes. Okay. Uh, but that might be because they're broken and don't work. I saw... Jonathan Blow tweet a few moments ago that he has just learned so many facts about corn. <laughs> it's all thanks to you, Zach. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, uh, we never got that project off the ground, but you, uh, I feel like you found something to do with it. I, I feel like this was a good purpose for yeah. those, uh, we should still do it. Okay. All right. Let's keep that train a rolling. You know, people still haven't found Frog Fractions too. <laughs> <laughs> that one really was the friends you made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> You're happy with everything? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've been really, you know, nervous about what would happen for the past six months. Um, there was a period in there when I, where I was like getting a lot, you know, still like positive play tests from people who had a background like mine, but also a bunch of like, you know, from people who didn't, a, a bunch of playtests that were like, you know, who wants a game like this? They were really frustrated and like just a lot of like pretty serious sticking points. And, you know, I was, I was sending that stuff down, um, you know, for the, as you do in the polish phase. Um, and I eventually stopped getting those playtests. I stopped getting the ones that are like this, like the getting like stuck in snake hell and it's just a nightmare forever. Um, and, but I still wasn't. Snake hell is an insider video game development term that most of you aren't familiar with. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, it's like what's a planner in like, if you look in the Japanese credits for games, like talking about planners and landforms, who the hell knows what that means? Um, and, uh, <laughs> but I still wasn't sure if I was just getting lucky. You know, I might have, like, it, it's definitely a self selected group of people who tested the game. Uh, and I have seen a bunch of people talk about getting to the credits. Yeah, and that's one ending. Oh, they got to credits hell. <laughs> yeah, it the kind of is, actually. <laughs> um, Good old J.P. LeBreton. J.P.'s cool. Playski. J.P.'s a great guy. He's in the credits a couple of times. How much of Playski did you actually use? Just the editor. Okay. Just the editor. Because you had to, like, write so much of the engine from scratch to be able to support doing weird shit with it, right? That I mean, I I treated Unity like a graphics API, basically. This was, like, it turns out that I didn't actually want Unity. I wanted something like Monogame, except Monogame wasn't ready for prime time when I started the project, or I probably would have used it. Um, And Unity, like, I, I did use the editor for like some a couple of chunks of the game that were actually like uh, first person shooters making (laughs) making use of the 3d stuff and making use of the editor and making use of like the the shader tools um but for the most part like i probably would have been better off just you know making OpenGL calls which is what i literally started doing after a while 
like because you can just do that you can ignore the uh the scene graph um and just make open gl calls and i ignore it by not knowing what you're talking about yeah it's good <laughs> how much of that makes it harder to port the game from platform to platform uh, i i don't think porting is going to be a problem okay um we were set so I would love to get this thing on consoles, but who knows? Um, I've certainly like, I certainly put a bunch of effort into making sure everything worked with the gamepad. Uh, it would be harder for the frame game because right. that, that it's would very be very mousey. Yeah. yeah. And, um, Craig has some ideas for how to make that work, but it would be a bunch of both design <laughs> and development work on his part to do that. Um, because nobody wants to play something where you're just moving a mouse cursor around with a joystick. No, that's terrible. Right? Like that's yeah. like and like SNES Sim City. Right. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that to anyone. Um and but uh the two ports that I promised in the Kickstarter, which were the Linux and the Mac versions. I mean, the Mac oh, one be was too... Yeah, that I was testing on the Mac version and that's Yeah. pretty close. It it was pretty close. It, it's well, I don't I from what I could tell, it was pretty close. You say you couldn't import a Mass Effect Two save. Is that right, Riff? On Mac, uh, I did not have one to attempt it yeah. with, so I don't know. Like I'm pretty sure that we we got this. This has become the Frog Fractions Two cast, but fuck it. Um, we had um, uh, I had found out after writing the code to actually import the save which I thought would be the bulk of the work, that Unity doesn't have, like, a, an open file dialog. You can't just call a function and open a file. Um, so we actually had to get from I the Unity... It was like a Visual Basic... Like, Visual Basic had that. You could just say, hey, OS, it's, give me a file of, open Yeah, exactly. Dialogue. It's part of the like, OS. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because, like, they're trying to be portable, but, like... Anyway. Yeah, I guess yeah, that isn't that even exists, exists on console yeah. or something. Right. Like, yeah. right. But also, like, <clears throat> there's Mass Effect 2 isn't on modern consoles, so I couldn't do it anyway. <laughs> um, uh, and so I ended up getting this, you know, $10 component from the Unity Asset Store that... $10? Wow. Yeah. It's expensive. It, that I mean, tripled the budget of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was like open a file and it, it turns out to like drop some, I think it's like it uses the QT windowing library and it drops those DLLs into the installation directory. And, um, it turned out not to actually call the native, um, dialogue. It turned out to like call like some like open source windowing systems, open file dialogue that doesn't support like network drives and things like that. But fuck it. Um, so we need to find, uh, you know, an alternative for that for the other OSs and some other like minor changes that aren't quite working. Uh, it, it shouldn't be too much work to get those working. You could just have it invent a Mass Effect 2 save. File. I was gonna say, is Mass Effect yeah. even a game that you can play on a Mac? Uh, I bet there's a Mac I'd, port of the Steam you, you version could, at this point. You can run it in, in Wine. Well, um, sure. <laughs> you could run it in a. Xbox 360 emulator. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can download them. You can okay. download a Mass Effect 2 save. So so you don't have to have, like, actually created your own. You could. Could you do an XML HTTP request 
from within Frog Fractions and just say, point me to a Mass Effect 2 save file on the web. Because that way, if somebody was trying to play it on a Mac or on Linux, they could just upload it to their GeoCities <laughs> and then point Frog Fractions at that. That's a good feature. Yeah, I could just like, instead of, oh, I wouldn't even need to find a plugin to open a file on Mac. I could just type in, just say, just type in a URL. I've known about that gag for so long that it just became a part of the wallpaper of Frog Fractions 2 and didn't seem funny or interesting or weird at all. And seeing the way that like Twitter has responded to it. People really latched onto that. Yeah. It has, it has reminded me, oh, right. Like there are definitely two sides of this curtain and you forget what it is like to be on the (laughs) other side of the curtain. There definitely have been moments in development where, you know, you forget what you're working on and then suddenly you remember holy shit there's a lot of weird stuff in this product like this doesn't seem funny anymore because i've been staring at it for nine months but like some it was funny the first time yeah and yep that's the way most people are going to experience yeah exactly yeah yeah like uh there was a tweet i think it was talking about the mass effect 2 importer just like talking about how you know i must have spent a week of coding on this one throwaway gag and like that's what the whole project was, <laughs> you know. A week thrown away on you know, a 50, particular gag. Like uh, how many, like 200 times, something like that. Did you have like a design document where you had all those gags in mind and then just sort of went through them or were they things that came up organically? Or yeah, how there, did that there was all... a little of both. Um, yeah. There was definitely like uh, uh, a Google sheet with like, Here's a bunch of stuff I want to do, estimated time. And before that, there was just a bunch of ideas I had in my head. Um, most of the, like most of my favorite stuff in the game was stuff that like I came up with off the cuff, like when things were half implemented, like, you know, testing what I had that was almost there and like thinking what, what would be the most funny thing to happen here? Um, it was a ballsy move having ZZT be the core of this and I'm really glad that it's seems to be paying off. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure. Like, I, I don't know if I've told this story on this podcast before, but like, well, so I made frog fractions, the first one, uh, you know, in like a year for my friends and had no idea that other people would play it. And it was very much outsider art. And I love outsider art. I love, like, just weird shit that is, like... Are you allowed to refer to yourself as outsider art? I'm asking for friend. Are, are you any, allowed? This is, this is my point. Not <laughs> anymore. Right. No, you are not. But I'm saying, is one allowed to think of one's own thing as outsider art? Um, in, the, in retrospect, I would say yes. Okay. Like... Yeah, yeah. Um, Are you saying you can't set out to make outsider art? I I think that's probably true. Yeah. Like if you if you understand that you are an outsider, then yeah, no, I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But like looking back on it, I would call it that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, in that GDC, I met a whole bunch of people and instantly became friends with them, and suddenly I was an insider, and. Like, just, I don't know if this was necessary or even helpful, but I took on this attitude, like, I have to compensate for being an insider and make even weirder shit. Hmm. And I made, I made the conscious decision to make, like, my, 
illusions even more obscure. Right. And so the, the Cause, I mean, if you think of the direct things that are being referenced in Frog Fractions One, it is Lemonade Stand, Zork, like they are like Missile Command, just yeah. just eighties kids things, except Hashtag. for DDR. But very eighties kids will understand, right? Like mainstream very mainstream as far as that i mean not that lemonade stand was mainstream but that like if you played a computer game in 1982 it was probably lemonade stand i I bet at your grade school right so like like, a ton of people our age ran across that thing in the public school system and zzt is not that nope not at all right z like z and zzt is like weirdly like has a weird broad legacy or maybe i only think that because i read a book about it and i was familiar with it when it was contemporary and also like it's it's aware of the breadth of its yeah certainly like zzt had a big impact on my life like um and on the lives of the kind of people I follow on Twitter. So <laughs> it's hard to know exactly like what that means in the mainstream, but, uh, the, like uh, other, uh, big reference in that in, in text world are Drod and insanity mm-hmm. and insanity is a game from like 1989 that nobody played. Yeah. I but, heard about it for the first time listening to you on a different podcast. Yeah. Is it a thing that you can, like, is it a thing that Jason Scott will allow you to play if now? You can play it on archive.org. Okay. Yeah. Um, thanks, Jason. The, the version Get that's. Get a real suit, Jason. The, I like that suit, actually. Uh, the version that's there, like, I played a version that was, um, shareware and had a time limit on it. So you could play it for half an hour and it would kick you out. Oh, man. Uh, which is fine because, like, it's actually a pretty good game. Uh, to be played half an hour. as well to be played as like I need to get through this maze in half an hour mm. like with that sort of time limit um the version that's on archive.org has a different shareware restriction which is that you only have one life Ooh. and that's a lot more it's punishing a more authentic one you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> a game kills you real easy though like it's mm. not I think it would be a hard time to get into it with that version. Well, I mean, it's only this, the, only the modern pampered existence you live that makes you think that's any different than the real world. <laughs> we should do that for an assignment sometime since we did. Oh, yeah, I love we that. Should. Yeah. Because, yeah, Drod is the only one of these three things, that, that and Insanity and ZZT, that I was previously aware of. Right. And for ZZT, like... I think it's really hard, especially for a modern audience, to go back to ZZT just because the interface was so bad. Like, it used the operating system key repeat to handle movement. So you're holding the arrow keys and, you know, I guess you can probably tweak it nowadays, but you're holding the arrow keys down and, like, it, it's really clunky. Um, I feel like it didn't need to be like that even then. No, like... like no. You could tell if a key was down, even in GW Basic. <laughs> like, you didn't need to... I, I, uh, when I was doing development in that era, it took me, like, probably a year. And this was before the internet, so you couldn't do, like, research. Yeah. But, like, I was working in Turbo C, and it took me probably a year of, like, like reading books to find out how to read a key that was... If a key was held other than the uh, shift, control, and alt keys... 
mm. because those had a memory location in um, uh, I think the four zero segment four zero H and is that why they're used as modifiers for like well, it's, easy, was, it's easier to tell whether they're down yeah <laughs> yeah then that so was why ZZT is designed to work that way and that was why ZZT um, you would hold down shift to shoot like you would um, move in a direction with the arrow keys. Uh, but if you were holding down shift, it would change that action to a shooting in that direction. I see. Um, kind of like Mafia. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, it took me like a year to figure out like okay, how to – like you have to hook an interrupt and like read from a port. And then I, somehow you had to transfer that onto the regular OS so it would see the input too. Uh, it was It was pretty tricky, at least from my perspective, to determine whether an hour key was being held. We still got to do that stream. Yeah. Now we can just make a bunch of Pico 8 games and do one of those. Well, but that's not real. Jim and, Jim and I have talked for years about finding, like, digging through games that we wrote when we were children and getting them running and then doing a stream where we show each other the source code and then yeah. show, show oh, the good. users the game. I think it would be really good. I think it would be fun. We got to figure out. Be we got thing. this whole streaming rig in here that the Idle Thumbs mans use. That's true. Idle Thumbs, Nick Brecken, who plays Dark Souls. That's right, the one guy. Yep. It's just him. Jim, I'm really happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really happy for myself. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Yay! That's as it should be. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's super, super exciting. Like, 2016 has been a really good year for me. And I feel kind of bad saying that. And for child <laughs> literacy. And I, you know, Sure. <laughs> Like, I actually wonder, like... And we finally eradicated the panda. (laughs) (laughs) Good riddance. Um, People have been dying for the entirety of human existence. Yeah, but not these particular people. Yeah, but not Princess Leia and her mom. (laughs) Uh, And suddenly, like, we care a whole lot more now than we did last year. And I don't know if that's because, like, it's the people that my peers are fans of if the, if it's those people dying like because when you were a teenager your favorite you know pop acts were you know 20 or 30 years older than you um and now they're going to be in their 70s and dying uh or if it's that um suddenly like social media has gotten to the point where it's there's this public grieving process that's mm. incredibly stultifying to be part of, and yet you feel the need to perform. I don't remember any, like, what celebrities died in 2015. I, none come to mind. I'm sure some did. Oh, I'm sure a lot did. Yeah. Yeah, like. (laughs) Carl Blevins. How many of our Patreon backers do you think died in 2015? Oh, God. Uh, Timecube Vivo definitely went out that year. Ronson Ramirez. <laughs> he died of uh, kidney cancer. Hervé Hackysack. Oh, what did he die of, Riff? Oh, it was um, spam loins. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much to our Patreon backers for uh, for making this episode possible before they shuffled off this mortal coil. <laughs> spam loins is a terrible way to go. Uh, What's everybody else been up worst. to? <laughs> Riff just trying to stave off spam loins yeah. by eating a lot of oh. lemons. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. 
Um, I have not. I I uh, I haven't done. A you time. went on a vacation. I went on you vacation. Went on, I went on Christmas you, vacation, so I didn't. I played like an entire second run of the new Pokemon game, and ate a lot of Christmas food. That was pretty much it. What do you consider Christmas food? Um, ham and turkey. Stuffing, Pine trees. deviled eggs, uh, mince pie. Would you say it's basically the same thing as Thanksgiving food? Uh, it is largely the same as Thanksgiving food, yeah. I don't really do a Thanksgiving anymore, so mm-hmm. it's it's the holiday feast is on Christmas and also contains Thanksgiving foods. Yeah. Kevin and I made a turkey for Christmas, but oh, I... God. I fucked up and brought the deep fryer back from Arizona, missing a piece. Uh, and that piece was the basket that you put the turkey in to dip it into the oil. Um, so we had Wait, all of the... You, were you going to deep fry a whole turkey? We yeah. did, yeah. Okay. We, we've done that every Christmas for several years okay. now. It's like it's become a thing that we do. That sounds like a terrible idea, but what do I know? Oh, it's I've so, never deep fried anything. It takes like 45 minutes and it tastes so much better than any other turkey you've ever had. <laughs> okay. Well, here, we should just do it sometime. Like, we, like you could do you this bring it into the literally any time. Like, this is not a thing that you can only do it The basic stream. Christmas. I was so demoralized. I, I got out the fryer, we were all ready, I had the turkey ready, and the fucking basket was missing. So imagine that you're, like, working at McDonald's, and your job is to provide french fries, fries for yeah. all of the beautiful people, and you have a giant vat of boiling oil, uh-huh. and, like, no, like, just, not like a, no, that wicker thing that they dip in there to keep <laughs> the fries yeah. in. So you just, like, squeeze the fry between your fingers, and you hold it out. You just dip like, it in there, yeah, and then you turn yeah. it over and dip the other end in. Yeah. We were, tr- we were going to do that with the turkey, but... Get some jute. And make like you know, a but it worked out great. Hammock. <laughs> we fashioned we fashioned a jute hammock yeah. out of a out of a pie plate and some <laughs> bailing, bailing wire. Yeah. Huh. And, and so successfully no actual fried jute in that the jute turkey. Hammock. No, no jute. The jute would have probably dissolved. The, the jute oil. would have burned. Yeah, the bailing yeah. wire was fine. We had to look up the melting points of various <laughs> metals and determine that they were. How did you get bailing wire in, Cal- wire in California? <clears throat> have I told you this story? <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. That's, that's why he asked. that's why you say that. <laughs> yes. Um you don't. You have okay. to order it from Amazon. Okay. There are probably parts of California like I'll bet you could go to a Lowe's in Bakersfield and but, somebody yeah. there knows what fucking bailing no, wire there, is. I mean there's a lot of farms in California, wow. it's true. Jute doesn't ignite until 193 degrees centigrade. Centigrade? What's that in Fahrenheit? What's that in, what's that in American riff? <laughs> like a, a lot, I don't know. 30. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, weird. <laughs> Jute is like a weird antimatter thing that bursts into flame at low temperatures and solidifies. Yeah. Fifths no, it just. Plus it, 32? The, uh, it depends. It, it like, it changed. The, the uh, melting point changes depending on what units you're using. <laughs> I it's, see. It, that's right around, I think that's right around the temperature of the oil. Okay. I think. I mean, we could try it. Like, we could, I, like, look, I'm a guy <laughs> who's not afraid to deep fry some yeah. jute. Let's see what happens. Mm. Like, jute wrap dates. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. They call those friends on horseback. <laughs> Bacon wrap dates are also referred to as, as uh, devils on horseback by a lot of people. What? Are they? Yeah. They, yeah, they are. I've been eating a fair amount of uh, bacon-wrapped scallops lately, and I've decided those are much better than bacon-wrapped Those are devils on seahorseback. Yeah. Mm. 
They are better, yeah. I don't like a I don't like a date so much. Mm-hmm. A bacon wrap date is good because it has bacon. And there's also you often stuff it with like cheese or a nut or something. Yeah, that's good if you do that. I like a, yeah. Those I are like those are widely known as devils on horseback. Jalapeno pepper. Ooh, that Ooh. sounds pretty fun. I've I've had a bunch of bacon wrapped stuff in my day, and I feel like I haven't enjoyed any of it more than I would just, just a piece of bacon. A piece of bacon. Of bacon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, except for. I, I, Except for this one time, um, I I had this like like really like heavily smoked dark chocolate covered bacon. Mm. And well, I, wait, I, but so that was something covering bacon, not the other way around. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. But it was bacon with something. So if you'd wrapped bacon around that, yeah, it would have been, been, been terrible. Than, yeah. I, I put it in my mouth and I was chewing and I was like, "This is weird." And I kept chewing and I was like, "Do I like this?" And it took me like 45 seconds before I decided, yes, I really like this. It was a really interesting experience. You can spit it out in the freezer and then <laughs> grab it again like an hour later and have the experience again. That's true. Yeah. Just never swallow any food. Yeah. Just, just always spit it into re- the freezer. Just keep reusing it. <laughs> chew it up Just again a bucket later. of your favorite foods or an ice cube yeah. tray, I guess. Yeah. One bolus at a time. Yeah. yeah. Spit <laughs> one bolus into one chamber of an ice cube tray. How much nutrient do you think you get just from chewing in your mouth i think probably almost none like i mean sure a little bit of the liquid will drain down your throat yeah because you're, like or, it's, you're it's starting to dissolve somewhere in your, in your saliva in your like, like in your gum has some calories by gum <laughs> like the the digestive process begins with the saliva and so like you're gonna definitely dissolve some of the food and probably you're not gonna spit out all of the saliva when you what if you put a cork in your throat and then uh-huh. chew it up, and then spat it out, and like dry, put the it. cork down, and then like dry off the insides of your, or a sponge. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like what you do then is you you sort of like you go to one of those things like at a bar where they press the glass down onto it and it sprays water to clean the glass. You know Wait, what? You just put that put your mouth on that. <laughs> oh the, <laughs> oh yeah the the inverted glass in the in the spigot thing. Yeah, yeah. The inverted glass in the spigot thing. Trademark. Yeah, well, that, that fairy tale. <laughs> That's what they... <laughs> Yeah, we made a deep fried turkey. We had yeah. to MacGyver a... We had to MacGyver a carriage for it. We, it was uh, fine. Start, we started with a colander. I really expected it, that story to end in, like, someone going to the hospital. No. No, no. It's, you know, people talk about deep frying turkeys as though it's this horribly dangerous thing. And I... It, well, it, it is if you don't if know you what you're doing, but idiot. if you Google how to do it, yeah. Google how to not die, and it's fine, <laughs> and it's fucking delicious. What? They have a page for that? Oh, man. Yeah. How not yeah. to die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, Immortality should... is just one step page on YouTube. Accept the dark gift of a vampire lord. Uh, okay. <laughs> Step two, overthrow the shackles of his vassalhood. <laughs> <laughs> Man, somebody should have linked that to David Bowie. Huh? Well, you know. I mean, he might have just faked his own death. Mm. So we like Elvis know did. he was a vampire? He did put out an album after he died. That's, like, that's true. That's real suspicious. And it was real vampire-y. Yeah. <laughs> What have you been up to, Kevin? Uh, not a whole lot. I watched a bunch of movies and anything good. I saw Rogue One. Yeah, me too. Oh yeah. We can't. We Did can't you see Rogue One, it. Jim? I saw it. Riff, Riff didn't it. see it. I Did you like it? See it. Yeah, okay. I did. Okay, 
So I'm not alone. Yeah. I didn't like it. I don't think it was a very good movie. No, we did you can't like talk about it in front of Riff? Did you like the previous new? Star I did Wars like movie? the For- I did. I did like the Force Awaken. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, well, maybe we'll do a spoiler cast about Rogue One. Yeah, you should go see it, Riff, so we can talk about it. Okay. Yeah. I watched It's a Wonderful Life for the first time mm-hmm. this Christmas. What did you think? I is liked life, it. Is life wonderful? I liked it, but I don't think i agree with the message (laughs) and i know that sounds like i'm being sarcastic but i'm really not because i feel like the message of that movie is be happy with your lot in life even if you want more and i think i disagree with that message i think a fundamental dissatisfaction with the town you grew up in is a thing to foster and to foster intense intense antagonism about uh, because the world is bigger than just that dude I mean I know the whole movie is about how him staying in town made it so everybody else's life was really good how but like fuck everybody else before like staying on your home planet yeah is that same thing 4,000 years you think yeah then I think, they'll, I think it's you know. I think it's gonna be a while okay I think we're gonna see uh Staying as a corporeal being before we see that. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Right, before we see interplanetary, really? interplanetary you think, colonization, you th- yes. You think like transhumanist, like either cloud of nanites or uploading a machine is before like colonization Finding of, some way to stay alive. Yeah, well, we, that too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that is way more plausible than like legitimate like we are living on other planets Ex- and outside of this solar system or or even like outside of like um inches away from disaster like you know the international space station huh. i would say well, we're not i would say we're closer to getting to mars than we are to uploading ourselves yeah but not like living in a colony on mars like a hundred years ago like you could not live in las vegas Okay. Really? Right. So, I mean, it, like, that needle so, also, shifts. It, we didn't have rockets that could get you to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Las Vegas was so far away that no that no vehicle could get you there in the one human lifespan. So, like, there are places on Earth that are way more habitable than Mars and way more, like... It makes way, way, more, way more sense to live there, like, practically. Yeah, nobody lives there. And nobody lives there. Like and nobody's Canada. trying to live there. And the only reason that people are excited about living on Mars is that it's romanticized. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and that it's not, Right, because like, if it was... Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> okay. All right. Well, sorry. If, yeah, if it was... Greek Greekized, it would be Aries. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I thought you were going. For, I thought you were going to make a Roman Mars joke because yeah, I was in the middle of trying to workshop a yeah. Roman Mars joke. But no, and by workshop I mean come up with in the first place <laughs> right. to like, see if it was worth saying. Yeah, the we've we've evolved so um, effectively into this exact niche that it. Is or was effectively this exact niche God's plan for well, us? Well, that's 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 it's actually really easy to look at and decide that because of because of how well they match, and almost literally everywhere else in the universe is incredibly inhospitable, mm-hmm. and there's just no reason to live there. I guess if we could 
if we can figure out a way to like a dome or whatever would be necessary to inhabit Mars, we could probably right. also use that technology to keep Earth habitable a little longer. Yeah, like I feel like if we could um terraform another planet, we could fucking fix you could global also just warming. Build a pla- if you could terraform a planet that was nothing but rocks, you could probably just build a planet out of <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it could be shaped like a giant toilet put- and you'd be like, I live on toilet world. <laughs> I feel like I saw that well, in Mario Galaxy. Let's let's say that the the planet that you're terraforming is doesn't have a bunch of toxins that you've re- already released. On. Yeah, toxins, schmoxins. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just eat the noodles. <laughs> just <laughs> eat the noodles. This is going to make so much more sense in a couple oh, months. No, it won't. <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought those had already gone out. I don't think so. No. No, I still have my stack here. Anyway, those are some Patreon backer postcards that you're going to get, and they're going to be really exciting. Um, Certain definitions of exciting. I watched another movie, and I don't remember what it was. Tell us about it. That's my story. What was the plot like and the characters? Oh, I watched Clash of the Titans. Uh, The old one or the new one? Yeah, so (laughs) here's something that I didn't know. The original Clash of the Titans movie was from 1981. Whoa. It whoa. looks like a 60s, 60s ass yeah, fucking yeah. movie, but it was made in 1981. Really? Yeah. And uh huh. I had never seen it all the way through before. So is this like Happy Days or some shit where they're trying to like evoke an era? I honestly don't know. Hmm, like I mean, like Ray Harryhausen's heyday was in the 60s, right? Like when he was like I feel like Ray Harryhausen was probably in his 20s in the 60s and doing real impressive work in special effects stuff. And this was like, oh, yeah, that guy's still alive. Let's make a movie where he makes an owl robot. <laughs> and then he like, was in the 60s but it was and like 20s. Clash of the Titans was three years after Star Wars. Yeah, that's... And whereas Star Wars now feels pretty 70s, like, Clash of the Titans feels 60s as fuck. Yeah. Yet, 81. Uh, there's also really only one Titan <laughs> in it. <laughs> Does it clash? Mentioned... Uh, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so uh, only one letter is a lie. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty good ratio, actually. Yeah. Yeah, well, because the Titans did have a lash. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it had, uh, it had Maggie Smith in it. Good old uh, Professor McGonagall. As a, okay. As a younger woman. Um. Harry Hamlin, who is primarily known for Clash of the Titans and then L.A. Law, <laughs> was was uh, was Professor McGonagall as attractive as like a young Angela Lansbury was as a young woman? I not to me. Okay, um, she still. Yeah, well, I don't know. It was hard to say. I mean, she wasn't. Her character was not like sexualized at all, so oh, okay. it was difficult to like. She was one of the goddesses. Uh, I forget which one. One whose name that I didn't actually recognize. Um, it wasn't Hera, and it wasn't Athena, and it wasn't Aphrodite. Aphrodite was Ursula Andress, who I guess it was like an early Bond girl. Okay. But this seems like that was fairly late in her Career. Bond girl <laughs> zone. <laughs> you know, the Bond girl zone. BGC. Yeah. Uh, it... It was surprisingly boring for 
that's that's I've never seen the movie, but I've seen clips of it. And like when I see clips of it, I'm like, this is the movie that looks really boring, like exploitation movies are, you know, it was it, I mean, it, like it was just it was slow in that way that late 70s, early 80s movies are slow, but it didn't make up for it the way like Ghostbusters did, mm-hmm. <laughs> like by having every line be really funny. Right. Like and it's weird because. It's a Wonderful Life was really, really funny in a way that I did not expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a scene that I cannot stop thinking about in It's a Wonderful Life where <clears throat> George Bailey, uh, uh, what the fuck, Jimmy Stewart's character, is drunk and he crashes his car into a tree in front of this guy's house and the guy's really mad. And... George Bailey wanders away from his car to a bridge to commit suicide, and then the angel convinces him not to commit suicide by sort of transporting him into a parallel universe where he doesn't exist. And he walks back, and he's trying to figure out where his car is, and he's explaining to the guy whose house it is, I, well, I crashed my car into this tree! That was my Jimmy Stewart impression. It's really bad. good. And the, the guy who owns the house, making fun of him for being drunk, says, you're thinking of two other trees. <laughs> Huh. And it's not huh. remarked on at all. It's just this rapid fire conversation. I'm like, that was like the most hackneyed possible joke. Like a drunk person sees two of something, right? And they've made that joke elsewhere in the movie. But like, I just that it's such a throwaway thing. Yes, <laughs> and I like I love that yeah. so much that it just makes me. It, it makes me love the movie. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I, there, yeah. there are moments like that in some, in, in other movies that I can't exactly think of that it's like, oh, okay. All right. You got me, yeah, movie. I, I feel like, like I'm yours now. You can get away with the like dumb humor like that if you just don't call attention to yeah, it. No. And this was just like in the middle of a conversation, like just uh, went unnoticed by everyone. Yeah. Like, oh, God. So good. So good. Yeah. Because that is what you would say to a drunk guy who was like, I fucked up your... T- now you're thinking of two other trees. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, instead of you're thinking of a different Definitely. tree. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, God. So good. Yeah, but I still disagree with the message. It's not a wonderful life. <laughs> Get the fuck out of your tiny town. What if you grew up in the city? Should yeah. you also leave well, the city? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you grew you up in New York, you have to go to... City. If you grew up in New York, you go to San Francisco. If you grew up in San Francisco, you go to New York. What if you grew up in Chicago? Uh, I go to Pittsburgh. New York or San Francisco. Go to New York or San Francisco. <laughs> Just check some other place. Uh, out. There's all of this. The, all of these have a solution, which is to move to New York or San Francisco. We all did it. It's true. You grew up in San Diego, sort of eating fucking French fry burritos. Sometimes yeah, you couldn't have gotten out of there soon enough. <laughs> oh man, I miss the Mexican food in San Diego. So that's the only thing about San Diego I miss is the burritos. Oh, you don't miss uh, Comic Con? Nah, not really. You, miss you don't the miss Star of India. Mm-hmm. You don't miss Blue Point Seafood. I, I've got a I've got a couple uh, of friends Hamilton's who still live Tavern. there, and they're I don't know they're cool people, but like I don't miss pretty much anything else about that. The the, the bean and cheese burritos, like you just can't get anything like that here. It's impossible. You can't get anything like a bean and cheese burrito in yep. San Francisco. Yep. That's what I said. 
I think if you went to Taco Bell, they would sell you a beer. No, it's not. It's not the same. <laughs> uh, we went to the ta- we went to the amazing Taco the, Bell in in Taco Pacifica. Bell? Jesus Christ! I also almost forgot the most video game ass thing that I did all. all can't talk about it two yet. Two weeks. No. So <clears throat> we went to a place called Gray Whale Cove, Ooh. and I, I like parkour explored an ancient ruin. <laughs> Wow. Atop a spire. There is, <clears throat> there is an old, so like during the weird period of time where the U.S. felt that it needed a naval defense on the West Coast, like I guess during World War II, like where artillery emplacements got I think it was like built early 1900s. I think it predated it pre, World War II. Pre-World War II, pre-World War One, even. Yeah, uh, I think. So <laughs> if you go to Gray Whale Cove, you can then walk up onto this promontory and there is this just concrete structure with no way into it. There are like no doors or it's a it's a three-story edifice with no doors on the ground level. But you can climb up, edge like shimmy your way around a semicircular bunker with like a foot tall like slit in it for a cannon to stick out of find a place that's slightly wider crawl in there and then you're inside it with all the beer cans Mm. from other people who've gone in there and then you can like go up the stairs shimmy out another such opening on the floor above and get on top of the thing and then you get the checkpoint and your (laughs) your gang swoops in and takes control of the of the outpost uh no, it's super, super cool. Go to Gray Whale. This is actually slightly north of Gray Whale Cove, but if you go to Gray Whale Cove, which is a real place in the world called Gray Whale <laughs> Cove, uh, you'll, you'll see this. It's where, called where, Bunker Point. Where in the world is Gray Whale Cove? Uh, fi- like 15 miles south of San Francisco. So, you, you go past the really cool Taco Bell in okay, Pacifica. Okay. There's a taco. Yeah, see, there's a Taco Bell on the San Diego style bean and cheese burritos. There's a Taco Bell on the beach. No, it has normal bean and cheese okay, burritos. All right. I mean, I wouldn't know because I go to Taco Bell once a year, so I get Doritos, Tacos Locos. Oh yeah, you can't get anything else no, there. You, you definitely can't. Did I did I tell the story about how the, the they invented Doritos by doing like like using a mass spectrometer to replicate the flavor of a of a taco. Of a taco. Yeah. Okay. Well, either you told it or I read it. Yeah. Same place that you did. A point being, like, Dorito, finally, Taco Bell tacos taste like tacos. Well, it's like a taco with the taco shell <laughs> tasting like a taco. Right, exactly. So if you did the same thing to the beef and then the lettuce. Right. Like, God, if you could make a head of lettuce that just tasted like a taco. Oh, my God. Oh, I thought you were going to say that like, you get some sort of spray to put on the lettuce to make it really taste like lettuce. And oh, the beef, like yeah. you get it's like, like beef extra extra lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, beef plus plus and right. Oh, so like if you had a grapple, but instead lettuce. of grape flavor, you put apple flavor apple in flavor. it. Exactly. <laughs> get lettuce and then lettuce and lettuce saga. Ah, <laughs> yay! <laughs> I thought you would appreciate that, Riff. <laughs> hey, Riff, did you play any video games in the last two weeks? Um, I'm trying to think if I played anything besides Pokemon. Oh, I played... you just had your, like, portable... Yeah, I just had the portable with me. I did play a little bit of the 3DS version of uh, that thing that you guys were talking about last time, Nintendo Ultra Remix. Oh, nice. Yeah. NES Remix? Yeah. Yeah. And that seems pretty cool. It's weird how it's like, what if we made a game that was just tutorials? 
<laughs> there is a little right. Bit it of always that. tells you exactly what to do. Yeah, yeah and it, and it starts with like here's the the very most simplest thing you can do in this game, and then it, the next one is slightly more complicated using that, and then and then by the end you're like, okay, now just defeat Bald Bull. <laughs> Did you? Get to the point where it unlocked fucking Clue Clue Land? No, I haven't got that far yet. <laughs> that game is garbage! <laughs> it's so confusing and hard to play. Is, is that the one where you reach out and grab yeah. something and spin around it? Yep. Yeah. Like, they, like, hey, what if we made a game where you were supposed to just be moving up, down, and left, and right through a, like, no maze, just a grid of pins, but we made it real hard to do anything on purpose? That seems to be the guiding principle behind Clue Clue Land. And Quop. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Except Clue Clue Land was, like, sold to children. On, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know? Yeah, it was a yeah. game you were meant to actually play <laughs> instead of a joke. Man, I love that part of the single arc was in Quop. Yeah. <laughs> That's so that good. Was, that was fun. Uh, I, I like that even though people like found most of not maybe not most but probably like almost half of the map pieces by you know data mining it they then went on to like find the actual solutions in almost every case no it was fun making the kol puzzle that was associated with it and it was also it was brutally difficult accidentally yeah but yeah i mean yeah it it was funny that we were among the last people to be approached to participate in that, but among the first, if not the first, to actually ship. I actually don't know. You you were pro- you were pretty early, probably. Oh in, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, like I was, I was talking to people throughout, you know, the past couple, few years. But yeah, like uh, the the just the fact that this at the time it was discovered this arc had been going on apparently for a year and a half was yep. pretty amazing yeah that made me pretty happy i mean it's cool to be able to talk about it now too yeah yeah <laughs> like oh we had we can finally admit that we do a podcast with you yeah <laughs> that's, that's you can, the other you can thing. change your name back now what the weird like the one of the weirdest things about like the fact that i got away with this and nobody gave anything away and nobody figured out like the output together the obvious clues. Yeah. It's kind of amazing to me. Um like nobody making the connection between KOL and you through this yeah. seemed nuts. I mean, like Patrick Klepek I, I I think a lot of people suspected kind of figured it out. Yeah. But like Yeah. I think a lot of people suspected, but like some people were like, there were a lot of people who were just so sure it couldn't possibly yeah, be. People who were adamantly. Yeah. So they, then the question is, were they, did they really believe that or were they just trying to. I, yeah, I don't aid know. Aid the cause. I don't know. That's a good question. Mm, yeah. Um, the other, the other clue that they could have, you know, I'm friends with almost everybody in the Sigil Arg on Facebook. Like they could have put together the clues that way. Can you just look at somebody's friends? I guess list? I guess that's not public. Yeah, you have to be friends with them. Yeah, and if they're friends with you already, then they're that's a good point. They're part of the <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Like everybody I know is part of Frog Fractions too. Basically, what's your favorite part of NES Remix, Riff? Uh well, man, I don't I don't know about favorite part just yet. I I I have been. It is reminding me how bad I am at a Mario game. <laughs> Um, I just unlocked the, uh, 
Zelda stuff. So I I suspect that's that's probably going to be my favorite. Yeah, they're fun. I found a renewed appreciation for Excite Bike. Oh, mm. yeah. Like actually letting someone who knows a lot about Excite Bike set some individual short-term goals for me in Excite Bike made me understand how much is going on in Excite Bike. And it's not a lot, but it's more than I thought. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a game. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, this is fun. Like it was like, ah, win this race. And knock over five other motorcycle people by, like, running your back wheel into their front wheel. Like, oh, right. <laughs> That's a thing you can actually do on purpose. Like, oh, okay. That makes racing against AI motorcycles more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit less pointless. Did that game have a two-player mode? It must have. I feel like it was alternating turns, but maybe I'm making that up. I, I, yeah. Well, maybe I it feel, was a split screen. I yeah. feel like, well, like, yeah, I guess it would have had to have been if it was two players. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because I, kn- I know that there, I, I remember there being two players, but now I can't. It, Excite Bike was only played on like half the screen anyway, right? Like there's. Well, no, the, uh, the big, um, like the big pyramid thing would be the whole screen tall, basically. Really? I think of Excite Bike as being half the screen and the top of the top half of the screen being just like stats. Hmm. Huh. I don't know. I don't remember the. I don't remember how, how big the HUD is. You you you've been playing it more recently than me. So. Yeah, but I just don't remember. Plus, I'm playing it on a widescreen TV, so who knows? Yeah. A lot of balloon fight. A lot of balloon fight, and also uh, Mario Brothers. I do not like Mario Brothers. I don't think it's a very good video game, guys. <laughs> the non-super version, <laughs> despite well, the fact much- that they look the same. Pretty much all platformers prior to Super Mario Brothers, I feel like, kind of feels like shit. Yeah. Like, Ice Climbers is abysmal. Oof, yeah. Uh, Mario Brothers is really, really unpleasantly slippery. Um, yeah. Like, there's, there's, there's got to be some stuff. Like, I actually like the, the, the stuff for the, like, in the um, Manic Miner tradition where it's, like, very digital movement where you're, like... If you're holding down a key, you're moving at a fixed speed, and if you jump, you jump at a fixed height. I think that stuff's pretty playable. Like, just it, it's very simple and, and like just very clear what you're doing. But yeah, like I don't I don't like the Mario Brothers movement like, either. Yeah, like Donkey Kong does not feel terrible the way that Mario Brothers. Yeah, feels I guess terrible. that uses the digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I found like, that slipperiness a real problem even in Super even Mario, in Mario Brothers. Super Mario One, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. as as like as much of a like revelation as that was at the time, it was more about the expansiveness of the world and the secrets in it, and the fact that there was more than just one screen worth of stuff to do, mm-hmm. and like yeah. a lot more than just one screen worth of stuff to yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel I prefer the uh, the feel of Mario Three, but I feel like like yeah, Mario Three is really where they nailed it. Like. Yeah. But like I, I, I do still like, and this might have been because I played it when I was five, you know. Yeah. But I do still like, kind of really enjoy the the thumb feel of uh, of Super Mario Brothers. You get used to it. It and almost NES Remix is almost a weird way to approach it because it only lets you play like a scenario for a few seconds at a time. Yeah, and it's like, ah, right. This is yeah. This is like. Every time I play this, it's like the first few seconds of coming back to Super you Mario. You can't Brothers. really get yeah. into a flow state, yeah. yeah. And then that was like uh, one of the weird things about playing Zelda that way is that there's no exploration. Yeah, yeah. I b- I bought 
Amelia saw me playing NES Remix and was like, whoa, you can play Super Mario Brothers on this thing? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And I bought Super Mario Brothers for $5 for probably the 30th time in my <laughs> life. And she's been playing a bunch of that. Oh, that's awesome. Like, she and her dad played it when her dad was here for Christmas. That's, that's awesome. Like, I love yeah, that. Yeah, it was... Yeah, like, and it's, like, super authentic, like, on yeah. the Wii U. Like, the... Because uh-huh. that's basically, like, a Nintendo controller with a giant screen in the middle of it. Yep. Like, feels the same. Yeah. I remapped the keys because it's... It really wanted the... The top right keys to the top right buttons oh, to be a and the bottom yeah. left buttons to be b and man is that wrong no like <laughs> this is I, I think this is one of the like worst worst ux mistakes you, nintendo ever made was putting out the snes controller with a on the right and b on the bottom yeah like and they didn't even try to like say oh well obviously you want it to be the other way around so what like why is run and B's jump in Super Mario World? Like, whatever one makes sense. Um, and that's fine. Except that, like, when you're playing, like, um, Game Boy games in backwards compatibility mode on the DS. Yeah, you just, like, fuck up. Like, you have to claw your right hand around, like, yeah. on top of the controller to, yeah. Yeah, real dumb. And, like, ongoing, with ongoing repercussions. Like, because apparently, like, it's too much work to change a ROM to say, to mat- to have a button configuration but, that you matches know, the... She was playing it, and I said, oh, fuck, I gotta change this key mapping. And when I handed it, I was like, okay, it's better now. And I handed it back to her, and she was like, I I don't know what you're talking about. Did, like, you, did <laughs> you notice a difference? No. Yeah, like... So, and I, I feel like there is a there is a class of people who very rarely runs in Super mm, Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Like, they understand that you have to run to, like, from the top of the staircase to get the highest score on the flagpole or whatever, yeah. but not getting this level over with faster or, like, being able to always jump higher. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that that's what's happening there, but, like... I'm I'm trying to remember like and this must have happened like in a very primal like early part of my life. I'm trying to remember making the transition from like having two fingers on A and B to having my thumb on always right. pressing B and then yeah. dropping down to hit A. Um and I'm trying to think about like do I play other games like that? I don't think I do. I think I don't think there are off the top of my head any other games other than like games where you run with B and jump with A. That I, I use that particular like sort of motion for thumb on both. Yeah, I played everything on the NES like that. Like when I think about playing Castlevania, I think of like jumping with the pad of my thumb and whipping with the tip of my thumb. Interesting. Like, okay. I feel like that's yeah. I feel like when I played all... Castlevania, I moved my thumb from one to the other. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah, and I have no idea. Like, did I figure that out myself, or did somebody show me how to do it? I'm not sure. I remember in Solar Fox, which is an arcade game that nobody else knows about, that was like, they had it in the arcade at the mall when I was a kid, and it was just, it's a very early, like maybe 1981, 82 arcade game from Williams, and I, it was like the first, it was one of the first arcade cabinets that I bought, because it was like a game that I really have a lot of fond memories of. It has, it's, it's sort of like, 
space Pac-Man with no maze. Like, you're a spaceship, and you're moving around on a grid, and you just have to collect all of the dots to move mm. on, and there's enemies flying around. But it has two modes that you select from from the beginning, and basically the modes are, does this button speed you up or slow you down? Like, is your default speed high speed or is your default speed low Ooh. speed and i remember like making the sort of graduation where i realized oh it's obviously better to be moving at the high speed all the time and only slow down when you need to than to like either a not know that or b like have to be pressing a button all the time to go fast right and so like i would have probably switched to a mode in super mario brothers where turbo was just always on yeah because when do you not want that and when you want precise movement. Precise movement, yeah. but, but like, you can get the same precision, basically, by compensating for having turbo down and just, like, tapping the D-pad like if, for less if, time, right? If I could, I mean, I would have to redo my muscle memory, but, like, I would prefer to have, like, a hold to walk, probably. Like, Prince um, of I remember did that. Yeah, yeah, def- it did. Yeah, that was uh, Prince of Persia was like a really interesting interface because there was a lot of different stuff you could do. Like, I feel like I was figuring out like new kinds of motions you could make yeah. in that game for a long time, and and such a weird like, um, hey, Cali. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, it's such a weird like set of. Like the the fact that everything was driven around the animation system, I think, was re- made it feel like really restrictive and and like the fact that that I think it was that he had just made Karateka right before that that he had the experience to like be able to make a um, a system where like you only have like control over the character like every twenty frames maybe right. yeah. Make that feel like it actually worked and feel good. Did you read that diary that Jordan Mechner published? I've read some of it. It's good. It's worth reading. My favorite entry from that diary. Well, it was. It wasn't from that diary. It was talking about his previous life. Was was about how when he was seven, he was trying to figure out the lyrics to the Wizard of Oz, and he looked up E. Y. Harburg in the white pages. Right, and just <laughs> called him. Yeah, on the th- phone. Yeah, they were like they both happened to live in Manhattan. And it was the 70s, and Levi Harburg had just been, like, blacklisted from Hollywood and was answering his own phone in the middle of the afternoon in the 70s in Manhattan. <laughs> and so they just had this very, like, very, like, adorable-sounding conversation where, like, he was like, okay, what does the cowardly lion say after this? Uh, and got his answers and thanked him and hung up. And The, the thing that I think I, I would have gotten from that story if I had read it at the same time that I read the the biography was, like, Jordan Mechner came from a, like, great Gatsby level of privilege. <laughs> yeah. That I, made I, all of that possible. Like, everybody is, in the computer revolution came from that yeah, sort of privilege. It Absolutely. was, it was like a, an insanely alienating thing to read if you, if you are accustomed to the narrative of, like, scrappy kid in his garage doing a thing because this was like oh i barely had time after tennis lessons to (laughs) like and it was weird but like nothing about it 
suggests that there's anything wrong with that dude, right? No, it's just like, no. wow, this is a weirdly I, different life. Yeah, I, I am. I'm certain that Jordan Mechner is well aware how lucky he's yeah. been. Yeah, and like, it's just so much of what made it possible to do that kind of stuff at that time was just having access to the hardware, mm-hmm. which was a thing that was only for rich people. Mm-hmm. Like the democratization of computer technology in even the eighties when like school, like public schools had a, maybe they had a TRS 80 or maybe they had an Apple II for us to fuck around with. Yeah. Like that was a huge generational shift even in like a couple of years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like the early software that drove those things was so different than what was made by the people that were the audience for that. Yep. Thanks, man. You're right, you look sleepy. <clears throat> yeah, I haven't been sleeping super well lately. I know. Have you been having bad dreams? Uh, no. Have you been playing bad video games in your sleep? I haven't. I've been, uh, just like not being able like just laying there awake which kind of sucks i haven't had this problem since like high school uh, get some so, get... you haven't had this problem since george w bush was elected <laughs> right <laughs> get some like dank ass nugs i think is what riff was about to suggest no i was going to say get now. get some get some old nintendo uh uh long plays get get like a long play of of uh metroid or like a super metroid speed run or something that's how that's how I get to sleep in that condition. Huh. Yeah, it, it, because you know you know it so well and you're not in control. Like how does that It's that it's works? a combination of the sort of the the um the chiptuniness of the music and the the sort of bleep blop of the sound effects is kind of white noisy and plus the it hits that sweet spot between this is this is a thing that is interesting enough that it captures your whole attention so you're not thinking about anything else but it's not mm-hmm. so interesting that it compels you to to think about it in an active way so you it it makes it real easy to just zone out and and sort of float off hmm. so unless you have like an e-ink youtube player i would recommend supplementing that uh with melatonin because if you're looking at a light, your your body's not going to make any by itself. Not going to make any melatonin by itself. Yeah. Mm. I've never had I would recommend make just getting high as fuck until you can't be awake anymore. <laughs> or you can do that. Have you played any video games, Kevin? In, in all of your waking I hours? haven't, really. In two weeks? Yeah, like, I, like I've like played some Hearthstone. That's, that's about a, it. That's a video game. Yeah. I just haven't, I have not been, uh, I have not been feeling it, I guess. There was finally a deck in the meta that corresponded with my play style enough that I was able to do okay. I hit, I hit rank eight. Are you, how, how much more work would you have to get to get to legendary? Oh, I don't know. Probably legend. 50 more wins. I, jeez. I don't understand how people have the, like, it seems like to get to that level, you have to just like play Hearthstone five or six hours a day for a few days. That seems like a lot of It really gameplay. does seem like a lot of Hearthstone. Like, I, I, like my strategy has been uh, every month, wait late in the month until m- most of the people who are at the high ranks aren't very serious, and then you just 
play a bunch of games when because as you're if when you have a win streak you get extra stars yeah and so then just play as many as you can bef- until you until lose. you lose yeah do you think that's like I attained this rank and so therefore like I'm not going to try very hard because I did what I wanted uh well attaining the ranks gets you like rewards so people yeah. people <laughs> who are serious about it start early and try to get high rank yeah is there do you get more and more rewards the better you high, like the higher rank you get within the legendary I have no status? idea do you that's... do you have to fight to stay at a certain rank nope Okay. I mean, well, if you keep playing, you can lose rank, but people can't take rank away from you while you're not there. Right. And the win streak concentrates people at the higher ranks, but but it's still like like rank. The, you start out at rank 25, and then you make it up to one, and then you get into like legendary, where there's a kind of a chess yellow style yellow thing. style thing that happens after that, and being at rank. 10 I think is like 95th percentile hmm. of the people that are playing or of active users for the month or something so it's really it seems to drop off really really quickly <laughs> like that that curve seems really steep at the end but yeah it's it's in a spot post expansion where the meta is kind of stabilized it seems um uh, am I am I wrong in thinking that in just a few days uh, a bunch of cards are just going to f- disappear and rotate out of it? it you, I think you standard. are. I think that they rotate out when the next expansion comes out. When the, when the next expansion comes out, all of the expansions from 2014 drop off. Oh, so we've got a while then. Or 2015, yeah, a couple months. I mean, they do like three a year. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's cool. Yep. Neat. I bought Mad Max, the open world AAA Mad Max game that came out last year. The one that was... they made before they realized the protagonist of the movie is a yeah. girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's that problem where a video game is so much more expensive and time consuming to make than a movie yep. that you can't do licensed video games anymore. Pretty much, yeah. Um, this one felt like it took a lot of engine from, I guess, probably like an Assassin's Creed. It's it's like a third-person open-world action It's by the game. same people as Just Cause. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it I got it in the Steam sale for like seven bucks, and it was one of those things where it was like, well, I've heard this wasn't very good. I should not buy it for $50, mm-hmm. and I actually listened to myself... Uh, on that for a year and it seems fine it seems like there's a lot of like driving cars around and punching like dudes in weird rusty armor and upgrading a cool car it's it sets you up sounds very video gamey it sets you up to believe that fuel scarcity is going to be a thing and then it and this is one of the first times that i can remember thinking like there's no way they're going to stick to this because it just wouldn't be fun. Because you, if you, you just run out of fuel, you yeah. just lose, right? Well, no, you just have to spend a bunch of time running across nothing. Like you get, like, imagine if you were playing GTA and you could only use every car for like a couple blocks before it ran out of gas. Like they just wouldn't release that game. 
it would have to be structured entirely differently if it was really going to be a game about scarcity. And it was pretty clear that right. this was not going to be a game about scarcity. And so it was like, because they would be, say it would, that like, it's important that cars have gas, but I bet it's not. And then uh, like, it'd have to be like the power armor thing. Like it, it would like, not that I've played Fallout 4, but like people talk about power armor as a thing that like, you you enjoy but it's not a thing that you can use all the time because it it's relatively scarce the thing that the thing that that system did was made me not engage with it at all yeah i just it, never used the power armor yeah. either because it, a it felt like just god mode and b it was like using up resources just walking around which is mm-hmm. not a thing that i want in a game about poking around exploring stuff yeah you couldn't like switch into it when a fight started no you had to like leave it existed in the world rather than in your inventory wow. right like yep. there wasn't any way for that not to be the case right like you had to get in and out of it at a power armor stand yeah i think you're right huh i did not know that this game mad max like it starts out with you like getting your car stolen by scrotus maximus <laughs> it's pretty great <laughs> like the, so the great thing about the new Mad Max movie is that everyone had a name like that, but you didn't know it. You didn't learn any of them until the yeah, credits. Yeah. And so it was yeah. like, oh, ha, ha, that's what that guy's name was. <laughs> like the doof. And, uh, and I loved how like <laughs> evident it was who what, what name matched who. Yeah. Yeah. And and in this, it was like, oh, you're immediately you're in, in an like. I just I started playing this game and then. Like, Amelia needed something downstairs, and I'm like, I can't pause in the middle of this cutscene, and I don't want to quit. Like, I don't want to skip the cutscene for whatever reason. I'm like, fuck, okay, fine. So I just, like, went downstairs and took care of whatever, and then came back up, and the cutscene was still going. I was like, man, I am perfect audience for this kind of fiction like there is nothing i love more than like a post-apocalyptic wasteland where things have been repurposed there is there is nothing i like more than like a like naive overblown religion where things are like the whatever where whatever is the name of the noun except it's capitalized <laughs> like to to afford it <laughs> the a tree a, the, yeah like the, 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 egg. the road. fucking love that shit i love it Right. That is exactly what I want every story to be is I know I know you look at you like I get it like I get that this makes me a fiction baby, but (laughs) I love it. I love this shit. And it is I am the exact right audience for this. I'm with you. And yet putting putting it into a fucking unskippable video game cutscene is the absolute fastest way to make me just not give a shit about it at all. Like. I can't skip it because it's like, no, this is good. I like this. This is good. I like, okay, this is good. And I like this. Okay. I like this. This, this is good. And I like this. Can't skip it. But like, man, oh man, what I want is to just like be able to hold down a button and watch it at like five X the speed that it takes some like very highly paid voice actor to say it out loud. And I just want to read it because. <laughs> Oh man, that was something while I was while I was out on vacation playing Pokemon again. That was that was something that it occurred to me that I another thing that I love about the new Pokemon game that I had not mentioned before is that it has no voice acting. 
It's always that been unusual? the case, right? It's n- for that's Pokemon? N- for Pokemon. That's not unusual, no. But but just. Uh, but, but the fact that it's like more story driven than most Pokemon yeah. games and still doesn't have voice acting. Right. Yeah. It's got like, a ton of dialogue, but no voice acting. I keep seeing people calling for Mario and Zelda games to have voice acting, and I just. Oh, that's not what I want fools. at all. Yeah. Fools. I definitely share with you, Jim, your sentiment that it's very sad that voice acting has become. A, a signifier of high production values mm-hmm. because like I don't know Star Wars the Old Republic I think was the the chief example of this in my mind when it was like hey it's like World of Warcraft except everything is fully voice acted I'm like okay so it's like World of Warcraft except it's going to be way too expensive to add additional content to it and yeah. Even World of Warcraft, where it's fairly cheap to add content to it, they do it too slowly to keep people interested, really, until... Uh, West of Loathing, no voice acting at all. That's not true. I, I found out... Oh, what was it? There was a Civilization game where they had really? gotten... I thought there was going to be some voice stuff. They would gotten, like, Leonard Nimoy to read the, uh, oh, yeah, the tech tree. The, yep. And then in an expansion, they just had Sid Meier reading it (laughs) because they couldn't, like, I guess they couldn't get Leonard Nimoy, like, in for that week. Sid Meier and Leonard Nimoy don't sound a lot alike. No, it was completely different. Well, Sid Sid Meier's alive, for one thing. Well, they were both alive in 2015. Oh, there you go. Yep. Damn you, 2015, taking away all of our... Fuck, what if William Shatner dies before New Year's? Hmm. He's old as fuck. It's true. He's pretty hale, though. Mad Max seems okay. It's, like, I'm gonna keep running it when I get to my computer. I, you know, they released that New Game Plus mode for Dishonored 2, and then I didn't play any video games for, like, a week, and I came back, and I was not super interested in getting back into Dishonored 2. So. Mm. There'll be some DLC that I won't play. That's what happens. Probably, yep. Play anything, Jim? Uh, I played... I borrowed uh, somebody's iPad and I played Super Mario Run. What'd you think? It's good. It's a good game. Yeah? Really? Yeah. Yeah. You are yeah, you are it. in the 30% minority of people. Whoa, who, really? It's gotten like 60% one-star reviews. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's because of the price. Yeah. That, okay. That's, I'm, I, am, I am certain that that's because it's like it's $10 in an in a ecosystem where nothing costs anything more than $3. Hmm. Um, yeah, Nintendo's stock tanked as a result of those bad reviews. And that makes me real sad. I, uh, yeah, I'm sure that's just that's just an opportunity to for somebody to make some money because it's going to spring back up. Like, this is a hundred times the game that most iOS games absolutely. are. Absolutely, and it's also incredibly profitable. Like, yeah, they they are at the top of the, or at least were like a week ago at the top of the uh, top charts. grossing charts. What uh, what is the gameplay like? Uh, so it's uh, you auto run. Have we not talked about this game on this podcast? I don't at all? think we no, have. Haven't. I haven't heard anything about it. Hmm. Uh, you auto run. You tap to jump. Um, there are um, 
like places on the ground where like you stop in case you need to like the level like anticipates you might need to time something or to think about what's coming up. Um, and you can, it's a little more complicated than that. Like it, I think it varies based on which character you're playing as, oh, but I've only played as Mario so far as Mario, you tap to jump, you tap, you can also tap in midair to spin, yeah. which gives you a little, a little bit, bit of float and you can also drag to the left, which reduces the arc of your jump. Oh, I've never done that. Right, so, Sean Vanneman made a joke. He opened the menu and was like, ooh, tips and tricks, and then closed it. And I was like, huh. And I went in and I read the tips and tricks, and it was like, turns out there's this whole other move that you can do <laughs> by dragging left while you're in yeah. midair, and you fall straight down instead of that's like real, from wherever you are when you do it as Mario. Yeah, no, yeah. it's fucking crazy and not documented at all, except in the like optional documentation. Yeah, the, another thing I discovered is that if you... Tap the icon to show how many, like, bubbles you have left. You can bubble and start moving backwards. Right. Which is real useful. That's good for, like, you're yeah, collecting coins. Collecting yeah. stuff. Yeah, so it's structured like um, there are six worlds of four levels each. You go through them and you, like, reach an end ending, and it's a very simple, like, you know, Mario save the princess kind of a story. I think that's actually what unlocks playing as the princess. But the, the meat of the game is um, finding the hidden coins... Or each level has three sets of hidden coins, where if you collect all of one, you unlock the next one, which changes the level slightly. Okay. It mostly changes the, the location of the coins. The location of... But it changes the location of all of the coins. But it also, like, level, it, it will, like... Not just the colored coins. It will change the, the geometry a little bit. For the... Yeah. What, in, in the third one, especially. The third mm-hmm. set, like, makes the level really hard, and it really turns it into, like, a crazy puzzle game. Huh. Because it's, like, how the fuck do you get this black coin? And it's, like, oh, there's some weird interaction with this thing that you can do if you time this thing exactly right. And then nail it all five times for the entire level within the time limit. Like the t- the clock becomes a real factor. Yeah. When you're in the when you're trying to collect all the bonus coins in this thing, like it's a good fucking video game. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, I just got all the pink coins like last night. Oh, cool! Is that the first? That's stage the first of- set. Yeah. yeah. And then it opens it, it. That unlocks a crazy hard alternate level that you can play. Oh, really? For collecting. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It. Um. It's a good video game. It's a good video. You need to be connected to the internet, which sucks. That does suck. Um. It has this entirely other like like a toad rally mode, I think, where you're building a city. Like it's a city builder game where you place yeah, it's buildings. Like a Simpson- and- What's that Simpsons clicker game that was? Tap- Simpsons. Simpsons tapped out. Tapped yeah. Out. It's like that, except the way that you get citizens in your town is by racing against the ghosts of other players yeah. in normal levels. And it's like weirdly punishing. Like, I, I'm i not having a problem with it because I am awesome in Mario games, but <laughs> like, I like the amount that I am losing, yeah. like as someone who's not like super good at Mario, you're not going to make any progress. You're just going to be losing citizens left and right. Unless it's like, unless they do some magic tuning for... When you lose, you lose fewer people by a big margin than when you win. Like it's definitely like massaging those numbers such that like, if you just keep playing, your population will grow. Okay. Um, All right. But it's weird. I mean, there's not really a good way to, I, I find that part, 
of the gameplay really confusing because it's like I don't know how to tell what level this is going to be in and right. I don't know how to tell how hard this is going to be like yeah. the only thing that it tells you about the players that you're playing against are how many toads are in their city which is like basically how long have they been playing that's but just not how good they yeah, are exactly <laughs> I, it's I think it's supposed to be a little bit of a gamble like and this mode is completely optional like I would say that the good part of the, the meat of the game and the good part is the yeah the the the, the world tour whatever it's called but it's compelling in that, like, you want to, you want to fill up this area with like toad houses and yeah, like, and like so I'm like, getting coins. Toad. I got, yeah. I, I guess I should spend Gotta the get coins. Some coins. Yeah, no. It's bullshit that people complain that this game is ten dollars, and it's bullshit that people leaving bad reviews in the iOS App Store are able to have any effect at all in the real world. Yeah. It's just like. Yeah. It's it's proof that the way the modern world works is fucking garbage. Yep. But you know what? Donald is going to fix it all. <laughs> oh, make America great again, guys. He's going to make the App Store great again, guys. <laughs> make apps great again. Cool. You should play Super Mario Run. I think okay. you would like it. Sure. It's a it's a very well designed. And you it can sounds, play it sounds like my a bunch of it for free. free. I mean, you play the first like world for free. Yeah, the first four levels it'll give you a good sense of. Yeah, how you it can works. definitely understand whether you like it as a game or not. Like, and and I, I, I think you can even dig into like all three, uh, like the, the the all all the colors of coins on that one world without yeah. without paying for the rest of it. Yeah, it, it's a better demo than I thought it was when I bought it. Um, if you want to dig into it. What did you buy? You bought it on the iPad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it does not exist on Android yet. Right. Yeah. The always online thing is kind of a bummer because sometimes I can't play it in my basement. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, like... Sometimes I can't play it on the subway, which is, like, where I want to play it. Mm-hmm. Like, and that is a bummer, but... Like, so far, like... Potentially... At one point, I, I, it, 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 when you finish a level and it's trying to save your data to the cloud, um, and you'd retry two or three times, it just gives up. Um, I've never actually lost significant progress doing that, but I could totally see it happening. Like if I, and it's gotta just be, I mean, Nintendo is so like insane anti piracy. That has to be what it is. They've they've actually said as much. Okay. Yeah. We're insane. Uh-huh. <laughs> also we hate pirates. Yeah. It is to be hoped that once their analysis suggests that they've made ninety percent of the money that they're ever gonna make off of that game, that they could just turn that shit off. I hope so. I doubt but it. I doubt I, it. I, th- yeah. I mean they're I mean, still I, I they're think still it'll... paying like was it ten, fifteen bucks for Pokemon Red? They're not gonna. They're they're not gonna do anything. I think Nintendo is very like long tail kind of a company, yeah. um, and also it wouldn't just be turning it off. Like I think your save data is in there, is on their servers, and they would have to pay a programmer to get in there and save it locally instead. Anything else? Uh, I've been playing a bunch of stuff for IGF, and I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to talk about, but I know I can talk about Wheels of Aurelia, which is 
sort of a driving game, but mostly a game about talking while driving. Hmm. It's set in Italy in the 70s, um, and you're just having these conversations with hitchhikers while you're steering the car with the arrow keys. And so, like, it does... You're sort of like two women in, in a car, and you can occasionally pick up hitchhikers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, well, you don't have the hitchhikers, you're talking to the other woman, and, like, sometimes you can ignore the hitchhiker and talk... Yeah. Um, and it does this thing where, like, because you're trying to steer... Like, it never is really punishing when you're driving poorly, but uh, you get distracted from the conversation because you're trying to steer the car, which happens in real life, too. Um... And, the, like, the topics of conversation are, like, what you might expect from, like, an Italian film from the 70s. It's really, like, weird, like, a weird choice of topic and, like, something I really appreciate for a video game. Like, you never see that sort of, those sorts of themes addressed. The, when I played the demo, it seemed like it was easing into, like, a serious conversation about abortion. I feel like that's one that's one of the things like I, I couldn't find like uh like of what I played, I played like an hour of it and it um it bounced all over the place like a real conversation would. Huh. Um I I didn't see like much in the way of like through line for it. But yeah, I, I really uh I really enjoyed uh just like it, it just the 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 mere like aud- the audacity of like being a game about two Italian women in the seventies talking in a car like that's super weird and it's 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 really like ridiculous that that's like weird and fantastical in the in the uh in the context of video games whereas like every game is about murdering orcs. Yeah. Like this. I mean, sometimes it's trolls. How many movies, <laughs> how many movies get made about the seventies at this point? Right. Like sometimes, yeah, sometimes you'll but get a movie about the seventies. And I wonder sometimes, like, but also like, it's important that like, we still watch movies from the seventies. Right. But there aren't video games from the seventies that we can play that are, that have any narrative component at all. Right. Yeah, like that's, that's the, so I, like, I wonder if, if this kind of thing, I mean, this kind of thing is coming into its own now, sort of, right? Except yeah, that mostly with Twine stuff. But period piece video games now are tending to be like 90s or like times when there were video games, or at least like the people who are in the demographic that are typically making video games were alive and culturally aware. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's always going to be weird to have a game, to have a video game set in the 70s. That's probably true. Like, it's always going to be unusual, not weird, just but just, like, rare. Yeah. The only one other one I can think of offhand is Headlander. That wasn't There's, really in the 70s, it was just sort of... Aesthet- 70s sci-fi aesthetic. Yeah. Interstate 76 uh, took place in the yeah. 70s. Oh, I mean, like... Uh, also about driving. Alien Isolation sort of took place in the 70s. Sure, yeah. Huh. Yeah. As it becomes easier and easier through Wait, I don't know, asset it, store shaders to it, like <laughs> achieve a seventies. Was film that a joke aesthetic. because it was like twenty seventy or something? No, it was it was just like the, the, no, it was just like sci fi aesthetic the, the of the visual 70s. sci-fi aesthetic of Alien. Which ah, was nineteen seventy nine. Okay. I know that because 
my mom took me to see it in the theater as a well i was asleep as a baby <laughs> i guess like star wars the old republic this is 70s video game sure it, like sort of <laughs> they've all got that the like weird hairstyle that half covers their ears yeah well it feels like we've been podcasting for 900 hours should we talk about this assignment did we all talk about our games yes yep. okay yeah let's do it Mafia for Commodore 64. <laughs> thanks for <clears throat> thanks for indulging this. It was weird. It was yeah. a weird game. It it felt kind of like a game that you would make. <laughs> yeah, it no, did actually. It it felt like the kind of games that I played as a kid and the kind of games that I then made as a kid. Like a lot of like navigating menus like to bespoke like. Systems developed for a single encounter. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get a chance to play it because of travel. So tell me about it. So it is. It's very sort of board game me. Yeah. In in some ways, you yeah you are a mafioso. You're a you're a you're a, uh, a an aspiring criminal, and you. Can move around. You move around a map that's like sort of roguelikey, and the number of moves that you can make in a day before the like month rolls over <laughs> right. depends on what kind of car you have. <laughs> so you, you can buy cars that give you more actions before the day rolls over. Yeah, like, um, like the first thing you want to do is like win some money gambling so that you can get the best car. Yeah. Um, or you roll up a character that starts with enough money to get the best yeah. car. That that That's happened true. to me. Like you roll up a character and it just randomly assigns some stats to you, which then determine your like chances of success and like various things that you can what, decide what's happen to do. When you call up like, EY yeah. Harburg. <laughs> you, who's EY Harburg? EY Harburg, the lyricist for Wizard of Oz. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So if you were, <laughs> it depends on it depends on what kind of family you were born to right. in your in the little salt cellar game that you played. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. My mafioso is gonna be. He's gonna live in a mansion. Uh-huh. Um, what was it? Mash. It was like apartment, mansion, apartment, shack, shack hovel, house? house. And like, what's the difference between a shack and a hovel? Oh, shack, shack house. house. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm going to live at Shaq's house. <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> We're going to be in that movie Shazam with Sinbad. Hey, where's this, what's this uh, acronym from? The game that, like, girls in called? grade school would the, play with the, oh, with the little folded-up origami yeah, salt cellar oh, yeah, thing. Okay. Salt cellar? Co- cootie catchers? Yes, yeah, salt cellar. I don't know what that... That that origami construct is often referred to as a salt cellar. Wow, I've okay. never heard that before. Um, You... So cootie catcher is what it was called. I've, I've yeah, heard yeah. that. Yeah. Huh. I feel like I've heard another thing that I don't remember though. It's the thing. It's like four three sided pyramids yeah. connected yeah, on yeah. one side like, each. Yeah. You like um, fold it and yeah. yeah, and then each of them like you. But you do like a you do like a he loves me he loves me not style right. yep. like fortune telling thing like yeah and anyway uh, yeah mash yeah it was called mash. Right, I'm serious. Yeah, I believe like, you. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> mansion, apartment, apartment. Because right, there were shack, letters house, on the sides shovel. of a thing, and then there was another one. Was like, what kind of car are you going to drive? And that was another who are you gonna marry? word. And who are you yeah, going to marry? Yeah, yeah like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you go, you go to different like locations, tarot cards, and then you get a menu this. of like a thing that you can like spend a turn. You know, you spend one of your like units of time, like uh, try to hold the store owner up. 
you know, which like has a chance of success based on your weapon and your stats of giving you some money or getting the police after you or try to like steal people's purses on the subway or you know, <laughs> yeah. play just go back with some guys. Go to yeah. a bar over and over again until it has a bunch of uh barrels at, at the price that you want. Yeah, yeah. Are D- some dudes for you to hire. It was a lot of just like randomness mitigation in a kind of a turn-based yeah. thing. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I'm glad that you said this seemed like a thing that I would make because it, <laughs> like, that's how I feel about it. It's like... Um, what it reminded me of most was playing uh, I, I talked about this probably six months ago, maybe, maybe a year ago, the Bethesda Terminator game from like 1990, where you're, you're, you are Kyle Reese or the Terminator, like driving around LA and you, you walk up to like, you walk up, walk up to a convenience store and then you get one of these like menu interfaces. So like you take the, the interface of like walking around the city that you have in this game, which is like, it's like a roguelike interface, but nothing else about it is a roguelike basically. is uh is what the interface is like. Yeah, it's just an overworld map, but it just happens to be in like BIOS text. Right. Um do you replace that with like uh with like an incredibly simple like like flight sim style walk around LA kind of 3D like 3D graphics. Yeah. We should well, I don't know if we should or not. <laughs> like I feel like that has a that I think it would make an interesting assignment. Yeah, but I bet this was already like intimidating enough to get running yeah. sure you oh know? yeah no like so i feel like something something of the like early 90s vintage of like really well, like I, sort I, of cutting edge experimental pc game i have like some experience doing this because uh i had to send gary and cole uh instructions for how to get this thing running for abject suffering because it was mm. fucking a pain in the ass you have to it's like, like the kind of game that you need you one need of those this, keyboard overlays for to tell well, you what all the keys you need to do. like set custom flags in dos box like put the cpu in this mode or it won't work at all yeah i didn't remember them doing this for abject suffering yeah it was terminator yeah yeah, yeah it, it, i guessed it on the episode oh okay i remember that <laughs> you just remember me talking. Okay. Um, but this, so like, w- I wanted to play this game because it's kind of a weirdly more advanced version of a kind of archetype of games that I played a ton of when I was a kid, mostly because they were games that you could play by typing in the source code and then playing them. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like it's a Hammurabi, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's an immersive sim, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like this in this one, it's an immersive sim because you're like moving around in a world, and then these simulation elements happen. Also, it has it has like a fairly well developed like combat, like a tactical combat mini game yeah. thing that yeah. gets into. Like you go to the bar and ask for a job, and it's like up. Oh, kill this guy I'm like okay <laughs> or you go to the job and get a job as a bouncer and it's like oh one of the patrons is acting up here's this mini game where you can just throw shurikens at him until he <laughs> dies and then you like Bar get, you just like get your paycheck as a bouncer I'm like oh, oh cool okay <laughs> I'm super good at this job because of my shurikens that's probably <laughs> they're probably the beer coasters they're, they're just sharpened <laughs> Oh yeah, cut into parts. Uh, 
But that, this kind of game, you know, became the like multiplayer BBS door game. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Became Earth 2025 and Utopia became Kingdom of Loathing became modern free to play games, right? Like yeah. everything, just, everything stems from KOL. Everything, everything now, like Farmville. I mean, became Farmville, right? Like, it, like just the weird, like multiplayer systemic, like in Farmville's case, like real time timer based. In other games case, like energy timer based games, right? Like just a really coarse immersive sim is what all of these things were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like an an attempt in very early microcomputer days to simulate a very complicated space where the physics is just robbing a bank. (laughs) Rolls a die and maybe the cops show up. I think it is actually literally just random. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed extremely random. I mean, I think everything is influenced by your stats. Yeah. Also, this game was apparently released as freeware, like, as kind of, like, the company name that released it, it was, it was in German, and it was released under a company name that was a joke about the name of a popular cracking group. Like, I don't think this game was ever sold. I think this was a hobbyist project. So... I accidentally downloaded the non-translated version, um, and like as soon as it was asking me questions in German that I couldn't figure <laughs> out, I had to. I went to Google Translate for a few of them, and I realized, wait, didn't Zach say something about this game being localized? <laughs> and then I got the other one. Yeah, I posted a link to the yeah, localized. Yeah, version. you know, but, I, it, I, the, but I so it, it was localized in like 2013 or well, something. This like, is what was... I'm. This is what I'm wondering is that like the one that I saw had like. Um, mystery house style art. Like the one that was in German had like the title screen mafia was just like, uh, draw the word mafia on graph paper and then translate that into line commands in basic. Hmm. Um, this, it had pixel art. Like, it yeah, had- the new, the, the, the localized one had the pixel art. I did, I guess I could have played the, the old one for long enough to find out, but I actually, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that was original. I think that was original. I think the pixel art was original. Okay. It wasn't. I mean, it's also possible that there were two versions even in the 80s. That's true. But like, but it was that, just like, there, there it, was no sign of that crappy title screen in the localized version. It was a much better title screen. Huh. This was what I, what I had was the same thing that I saw in the article that, from CRPG Attic that made me want to play this in the first place, okay, so which there was you go. just the, which was the like high res Commodore 64 high res. I mean, <laughs> I mean, high res for the time of the, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, it actually looks pretty good. It does look pretty good. I mean, the art is bad, but the graphics are good. Yeah. Like, yep. And you know, that's, you know, welcome to our childhoods <laughs> there. The, the gameplay segments, like apparently it was pretty easy in, Commodore 64 assembly to overwrite BIOS character sprites. So, like, you could basically yeah, you do could tile the... graphics just with the text. Yeah, you could you, could, you could change the um the character modes tiles, and not not just um in the same way that you could do it in DOS because in DOS it was all monochrome, but in the Commodore 64 you actually had multiple you could set multiple colors. Yeah, it seemed it like was... only two colors per. That's probably right. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and I, I mean, transparency. I, I remember doing character mode stuff. Was it transparency or I was think, it just black? Oh, maybe you're right. 
Like you could give it an arbitrary background color and you could probably encode change that based on the background or wherever you were standing. Yeah. But I remember doing character mode programming in basic in the eighties on PC. Yeah. Like IBM PC. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The IBM personal computer. Yeah. Or the IBM personal computer junior. As opposed to the the XT. Right. Uh, And all of that stuff was you could specify a foreground color and a background color in every print statement for a single character. Yeah. Right. But you could not, without doing a bunch of direct memory access, overwrite the actual pixel patterns of stuff of well, characters. It depended on, it depended on your graphics card. Um, I think VGA could do it, but maybe EGA couldn't. Yeah, I guess that's when it started getting weird because definitely the way that you did graphics for, for like the Apple II was by just poking bits into character memory to replace graphics or poking bits into video RAM. Yep. Like to, to draw a sprite. Um, and that kind of stuff didn't work in DOS. Right. So all of that, like when you, when you like bought a book of DOS games, it was more about like the kind of roguelike thing of like, just, well, move to this position on the screen and print a character as opposed to like root base hardware level access to the video card for putting pixels. You could definitely do that in Q basic with VGA. Like you could set the video mode and then poke into, into the video memory. Um, but yeah, I don't think maybe, maybe GW basic couldn't if that's what you're thinking of. Well, or, you could do it if you were just decided, all right, this is a game with graphics as opposed to a game that uses character mode stuff. It was way easier to program stuff in character mode stuff. Yeah, and apparently on the sure. C64, that also let you put arbitrary sprites yep. into the stuff that you were working yeah, with, yeah. which like, seems like... That that character mode was intended not just for showing text, but also for play, for games. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder... There must be a ton of, like, hobbyist games... For the Commodore 64. Yeah, like, I I remember reading about one, and this is just one, I bet there's a lot more than this, that, well, a game that was released, like, you could mail order a tape of, like, a game that someone had just made. Uh, another example, SOS made a Commodore 64 game for um, Ludum Dare one time. Uh. <laughs> he released it by, like, taking a photo of the RAM dump, like, just <laughs> on the screen. The... Damien uh, MC Frontalot released a Commodore 64 program as like a hidden track, like the audio. So for listeners who don't understand, who this, don't know what audio is, like it used to be the case that on very early microcomputers, the the only option that you had for storage was like an audio cassette, and there was basically a unidirectional modem. Right. In the computer that would turn data into sound and record. It wasn't unidirectional, I guess. Yeah. It, it like, was essentially a modem, but instead of talking to another modem, it was talking to a tape recorder. Yeah. And so it would like Discs convert data. at the time, but they were just super They were expensive. really, really expensive. Yeah. So like everybody had a tape deck. Like everybody just had like a cassette player that you could plug an RCA cable into from your computer and it would convert the data into sound, which you could then record. And if you listen to it on the tape deck, it would just be like, some beeping and then some static. Yeah. Uh, but then you could say load and then you'd hit play on the cassette player and it would load the sound back into the computer as data. And that was the only way that you could save your cool basic programs that you had written in 1982. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, I uh I might have done something like that for the ARG. Did you? Yeah, there was a part of the ARG was uh, an MP3 that um that uh was a Commodore 64 program. It displayed an image. All right. Guys, good stuff. Old video games. Mm-hmm. What's our next assignment, Kevin? Virginia. We're going we're all going all right, to Virginia. What's what's our next assignment, Virginia? When did you change your name? <laughs> We've, I've always been Virginia. When did you oh, change no. your name to Virginia by gum? <laughs> Is there by a Jove. Santa Claus? No, Riff. Oh, no. Yoko Ono, help me. <laughs> Yoko Ono is Riff's guardian angel. That's true. Even though she's not dead. Mm. She's, I don't think you have to be dead to that way. Yeah. Well, Clarence was dead hundreds of years. I'm pretty became... sure there are some conceptions of ghosts that don't require the the person who is a ghost to be dead. There are some conceptions of ghosts where they're all Yoko Ono. <laughs> or that. <laughs> she just oh. she just fed she she's counterculture programming. Culture jamming. That's right. Yep. Yoko Ono is a real every, culture every jammer. Every ghost is Yoko Ono, huh? Yeah. Guys, I've had a fantastic time recording this episode of Video Games. I'm, I'm serious. No, like, good. this has been great. Good, good. I, mean, well, I like all of them. Yeah. But so I, don't trust me. I hate all of them, and I like this one. <laughs> okay. And thank you so much to our Patreon backers for uh, your generous support that makes this possible. And, uh, you know, for those of you who aren't Patreon backers, like, thanks for listening. And, you know, maybe tell a friend. Maybe rate us on iTunes or Pod Jode, uh, the app you use to. Tell your friends from Oklahoma about the podcast in California. Yeah, if you're listening because this is the first one I've done since uh, the video game I made, then maybe you should try subscribing. Maybe you'll like the next one, too. Yeah, this is all we do is talk about old video games and shit. Yeah, pretty much. And it's fun. And it's been fun for me. And I hope it's been fun for you guys. And I, uh, listeners, mm. I hope you'll join us. And, uh, you know, until you do, Jim. Make a hamburger out of farts. Have a great week, everybody. Good night. Good night. The people who are listening for the first time will think I made that joke. Joke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bye, Riff. (laughs)